That's Mark, Mark chapter 3, starting at verse 20. When he went home and the crowd gathered again, so they could not even eat, and when his family heard it, they went to seize him, for they were saying, He's out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he casts out demons. And he <clears throat> called them to stand and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And as Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then he de indeed he can plunder his house. Truly I say to you, Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man, and whatever blasphemy they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an internal sin. For they were saying, He has an unclean spirit. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. So far God's word. Our text for this morning's message is verses 31 through 35. Let's uh, ask the Lord's blessing on his word as we consider it this morning. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we do ask for the presence of your Spirit to help us to see the beauty of the family of God, the identity of the family of God, and to continue to seek to participate in the family of God. Part of that is hearing and listening to the gospel of Jesus Christ, rejoicing in him, standing on that solid rock. So strengthen us as we hear your word to hear and to see and to know your son and to give ourselves completely to him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, this morning uh, I'd like us to move ahead just uh, for a moment over verses uh, twenty through 30 to verses 31, because I think this is most appropriate to think on and to, to celebrate with regard to Michael and Laura's profession of faith. Uh, it's, it's a joyous occasion. I don't know that listening to the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit actually fits with, with an occasion like the profession of faith of Laura and Michael. And to encourage Michael and Laura that this is God's word for them, but also for us, because we rejoice with them and their family of how God has, has brought them each to a commitment to Christ and to his church. 
hopefully next week, Lord willing, we'll get into those intervening passages and, and go more in depth with regard to what kingdom realities Jesus is proclaiming and what it means to blaspheme the Holy Spirit and, and the unforgivable sin and that character. But this morning, this morning as we listen to God's word, verses 31 through 35, we, we hear how Jesus addresses uh, in this text, something that is that is quite different from what had he'd been addressing earlier. Earlier, he talks about the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. Now, as he comes into this text, and as we come into this text, he identifies the blessing of the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's quite a contrast. And Jesus identifies for us the family of God. The family of God is that place where the Spirit is working to draw the family to the head, Jesus Christ. And it's helpful for us to, to reflect on what Jesus is revealing to the crowd, but also to us this morning, as he does identify the family of God. As we do so, we're going to hear the family request, and then consider, secondly, the faithful redirection of our Lord Jesus Christ. The family request, and then the faithful redirection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text opens with Jesus' mother and brothers again. They're coming and they're standing outside the home where Jesus has been sitting and teaching, and they come and they called to him, possibly over the crowds. And, and as it circulated through the crowds, they come and, and uh, uh, let Jesus know that his mother and his brothers are seeking him. We need to recognize that with this family request, Jesus is constantly being pursued by the crowds. And it appears from what we hear by, by way of what Mark is, is showing us here that his situation seems to be getting out of hand. He and his disciples are so crushed by the crowds that, that Jesus has to prepare a boat to, to escape to so that he can continue teaching from the boat, if that is necessary. Again, we come and, and Jesus uh, commissions the 12 to, to go and fulfill his work. But, but then again, he goes home and verse 20, he went home and the crowds are gathered around and there's so many people there that he can't eat. So he's being crushed, he can't eat. And then beyond that, not only can he not eat, but the scribes come from... Uh, uh, Jerusalem, and where his family is saying he's out of his mind, uh, the, the, the scribes come from Jerusalem and say he's possessed by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. These are tremendous accusations, horrible accusations that are being leveled at Jesus by, by those who are close and by those who are far. He's out of his mind or he's, he's possessed by Beelzebul. And when we come to our text, again, the crowds haven't dissipated and his mother and brothers are outside and the family can't even get access to him. And so they stage an intervention. To them, it appears that his life is spiraling out of control. And so because Jesus can't stop, they're going to intervene. And they say, Jesus, pay attention to your family. 
This is the family request. The text doesn't say or doesn't tell us that their intention is wrong. They are rightly to be concerned for Jesus, as every family is when they see one of their family members' lives getting out of control. The challenge is, is that they're looking at Jesus, though, with the eyes of flesh. And he needs to redirect them. And he needs them and us to look at life with the eyes of faith rather than the eyes of flesh. Humanly speaking, Jesus' life is unsustainable. But there's more to Jesus than meets the eye, isn't there? And so Jesus responds to their desire for, for him to meet up with them, and he asks this question. This is another family request, isn't it? Their request is, Jesus, come to us. Jesus' question is, who are my mother and my brothers? Now, recognize in this that he's not dismissing them or their concern. He's not just ignoring them or, or poo-pooing and saying, oh, I have nothing to do with you. As we unpack this family request for a moment, I, I'd like us to think about this, but there's, there's a couple of sideline observations that we need to recognize. Jesus addresses his mother and brothers. It seems to indicate that at this time, Joseph had died, that Joseph wasn't on the scene here. And so... Jesus would have had the responsibility. He would have been the oldest son. He would have been responsible for his mother and responsible for his family. But it also indicates that Mary had other children. One of the teaching of, uh, teachings of the Roman Catholic Church has been the, the, the perpetual virginity of Mary. And again, this shows us that that wasn't the case, that she had other sons at least. And here Jesus fields this request. And his response to them is, is not to brush them off as if they don't mean anything to them. In fact, we know from later on in Jesus' ministry that he, he does have interaction with them. And even when he's dying on the cross, he expresses that deep affection that he has for his mother as he manages the care and entrusts Mary to the care of the disciple John. And here we recognize the, 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 the character of this family request. What about the priorities? Michael and Laura, when your baby arrives, there's going to be additional pressures on your relationship together, but also your relationship with the Lord. It is good to provide a loving family. God says it's good. And it's good for your child to have a loving family to grow up in. We pray for that. And we see that amongst God's people. And you will want to be the perfect parent for your child. 
We often think we can do such a good job, a better job than our parents did. But it never works out that way. And the demands of family will cause you, and should cause you, and it's right that they do cause you to examine your priorities. And this is what this request presents us with. The opportunity to learn from Jesus what is faithful direction for us as parents, as children, as families. Because this means what, how Jesus responds and, and how Jesus interacts with this family request means we will have to prioritize some of our requests, some of the requests that we receive. The demands for our time, for our energy, and for our support have limitations. It's part of being human. And God knows that. And this family request reminds us that in Jesus' perception of things, as, as Jesus offers a faithful redirection, secondly, we'll get into that in a moment, that, that we need to evaluate, we need to listen, but that doesn't mean we're obliged to live up to our family's expectations. And there's something liberating in that. You can't do everything. You can't be the perfect parents for your coming baby. That's not what God has called you to do. He's the one who is perfect. He's the one who has all power. He's the one who has all ability. And you need to accept your limitations. So this family request suggests that, that Jesus is dependent upon them to maintain his ministry. And that's where Jesus says, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The work of God uses human instruments, uses families. Families are a blessing of the Lord, but it isn't dependent on. Let's not turn that blessing of having godly parents, believing families, into something that is demanded for God to work. It's not the case. How careful we need to be with the requests on others' times. To recognize our own limitations, but especially to express our dependence on Jesus. And Jesus offers us, secondly, that faithful redirection. He answered them. He doesn't ignore them. He answers them. And with all tenderness and compassion, he says, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He identifies the family of God. Who are my brothers, or my mother and my brothers? It's a question that, we, what are our priorities? This may require, this faithful redirection may require an adjustment of our priorities. With all the pressures and the needs, Jesus faithfully redirects our priorities 
to see how we live in his kingdom. And Jesus says this, whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Ultimately, this is a call for faith. It's a call for faith to yield to recognize that, that what is most important, most significant is to do the will of God. To trust and to know what God's will is and to commit ourselves to doing that. It's a call to faith. You must do the will of God. But it is also a promise, a promise of privilege. They're my family. Let's unpack these two as, as Jesus faithfully redirects his family and us to see and understand how we live in his kingdom. Jesus is not saying when he says, whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus is not saying to his family who are coming to him and seeking to be with him, oh, you're close, but there's one more thing you need to do. You need to approach me in a different way. You need to get your life sorted out. You need to do something or another. Imagine how frustrating this would be for his family. You're trying to help, but there's something more you need to do. Offering it as one more tick of the box. This isn't what Jesus is saying. In fact, the idea of doing more to be God's children is completely contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hear me carefully on that. To say that doing more is necessary to being God's children is contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is not saying that. He's not rebuffing his family and saying, see family, you got it all wrong. There's something more you need to do. The gospel is that Christ has done and is doing everything. Isn't that astounding? That's what, that's what Michael and Laura have professed. And that's why, why it's so good for us to go through this again. Do you realize that these are open-ended questions that, that while we say that here once in church, it's something that needs to be repeated over and over and over and over again. You humble yourself before God and repent of your sins. I'm a sinner. You are a sinner. And we failed again. We haven't done God's will. All my righteousness, Isaiah 64, all the good things, the very best things I've done, all my righteousness before God and the scrutiny of God is a, it's a filthy, stained rag. It's worthless. Jesus knows us. That's why when he says, oh, you need to do God's will to be my brother or my sister or my mother, he's not saying just add one more activity, add one more approach, have one more redirection. And that's what we're professing as well. I accept the gracious promise of God that, that all my righteousness is bestowed through Jesus I believe Christ has taken on himself my guilt, my failures, my weaknesses, my imperfections, and has borne them on the cross. 
but even more tremendously. That obedience which he performed, he did in your and my place. This is the, the faithful redirection. This is the call for us to believe that he has done it all. Those who know that have the precious privilege, the privileged promise of being in the family. We're going to get to that in a moment, but let's just stop and, and park on that for a moment. This is the will of God. This is the message that Jesus has been teaching from the beginning. This is the message that John the Baptist had been proclaiming, repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. The message that Jesus was preaching because the king was coming, repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the will of God and he doesn't pro promote something now that's going to change that message. Jesus says it directly in John 6 verse 40, this is the will of my father that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. Family, I must be here in the middle of these people, undergoing these accusations, exhausting myself in the service of others, because I am the Savior, and this is the will of the Father, that they would repent and believe in me, that they would entrust their whole selves to me. It's a call to faith. Jesus is redirecting our faith to see it doesn't matter about the proximity, about the crowds that are crushing in. If you're close to Jesus, you're close to him in proximity. No. It's if you're understanding the Father's will. If you're, you're responding to the work of Jesus with faith, it doesn't matter your blood connection that Jesus' mother and brother don't have a higher appeal and say, this is a family obligation that you're responsible for. It is those who've been born again by the Spirit of God and believe in Christ. That's the faithful redirection. That's the call. That's the call of Christ to all of us this morning to believe in him. Faith is the first step and the last step of doing God's will. This is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal And from this call of faith, there is also the promise of privilege. It's faith's union with Christ by faith. By faith, you are a part of Christ's family now. Isn't that glorious? Isn't that astounding? You don't have to grow up and prove yourself. 
You don't have to measure up to some warped expectations. You don't have to live and be haunted. How many of us as as children, if we've had hard parents, are haunted by their expectations and their hurtful, hurtful expectations? If you've had a father who's never expressed their love, And they come to their dying day and that seems to be the the greatest question. Let me just hear you say you love me. And some never get that from their father. And they're tormented by it. I've never heard it. Jesus doesn't hold back. He doesn't give any other expectation. Instead, he proclaims this this precious privilege. Whoever does the will of God, whoever repents and believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, you belong, you're here. He is my brother, my sister, my mother. I love you, Jesus says. This is a redirection we need to follow God's will and to rejoice in faith. Listen to what Kelvin says. He says it so beautifully in his commentary. I'll read it twice because I always find quotes hard to listen to. But he says it so beautifully. I want to share it with you. His design, Jesus' design, is to bestow the highest commendation on faith, which is the source and origin of holy obedience. And at the same time, at the same time, covers the defects and sins of the flesh that they might not be imputed to us. Whoever does the will of God whoever crushes in because they need more of Jesus and they recognize their own failings, their own faults, their own inadequacies, and they see in him all of God's will, all of God's perfection, all of God's holiness, all of God's grace. And they cling to that and they claim that as their own. Whoever does the will of God by faith, he, he belongs. You're part of the family. He is my brother. He is my sister. He is my mother. Can you see what this does? It redirects your family loyalties. It redirects your family priorities. It redirects your family instruction. Teach your children. Teach your brothers and sisters. Teach your moms and dads. That Jesus' greatest priority was to do the will of God on our behalf. And his greatest call is to believe and rest in that promised privilege 
He is mine, and I am His. We need this redirection. As a congregation, we need this redirection to follow God's will and to express the centrality of belonging goes beyond our blood families. But can I push it just a little further? It goes beyond those with whom we're familiar. Those who it's easy to get along with. Jesus says the blessing in the kingdom is how we regard those who are strangers. And how we look upon them and love our enemies. How we interact with those we don't know. With whom we're unfamiliar. And to interact with them to hear of their faith. Of our relationship with them in Christ. Because those who are different than us, they're part of the family too. And this gives us the framework to approach, to talk, and to interact with those with whom we're not familiar. People of God, if we can't do it here together in the safety and the security of the church of Christ, it's going to be harder to do it out in the world. It's not a program. It's not a method. It's a confidence and a comfort. You don't have to do more to be accepted with Christ. You're here. He's yours. You're his. You're his. Whoever does the will of my Father. Do you hear the glorious, wondrous declaration of Jesus looking about at those who sat around him? He opens his arms and he says, here are my mother. Here are my brothers. Let that redirect our expressions of faith, our desire to interact with those with whom we may be unfamiliar. We belong together by Christ. Amen.